Welcome back to What's Next, Living Longer, Better, Smarter. We are glad you are spending time with us and promise to make it worthwhile. This edition is made possible by Vivid Picks. So I've been in the photo business for 37 years and I've seen a lot of things come go, but one thing has not changed and that this wonderful thing we call a photograph captures a moment in time so that we're able to reminisce and relive those memories tomorrow. And it's, and it's important for us to do that so we can share them with loved ones and we can share them with future generations. So please don't let your memories fade. They're important. Summertime and savings. That's our focus for this episode. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Mary Furlong. Hi, Mary. Hi, Fred. Uh, I think we have some of the best guests we've ever had on this podcast episode. We do. First up, savings. Dentalplans.com has launched a dental plan finder that can provide recommendations in a hurry to help save you money on caring for your teeth. With us is Chief Commercial Officer Jen Stoll. Hi, Jen. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Jen, uh, thank you for joining us on What's Next? Living Longer, Better, Smarter. Uh, tell us more about your important company. I'm so impressed with its growth. And you've been there almost from the start, correct? Yes. So dentalplans.com has been around for almost 25 years. Uh, but we're also part of the last five years, we've been part of the Henry Shine One portfolio company which is actually the largest software and services company for the dental industry itself. But dentalplans.com is the largest marketplace of dental savings plans and dental insurance. In fact, we have over 25 just dental savings plans for consumers to choose from. So we make it very simple for individuals, families to find a plan that's really best for their individual needs. And when it comes to dental care, uh, saving money, what are some of the options that people have today? So, you know, most people don't realize that these dental savings plans even exist. Um, you know, a dental savings plan really provides those who are uninsured or what we call underinsured with a way to go to the dentist and pay a fraction of what they would pay without a plan. So, for example, an average dental savings plan membership listed on dentalplans.com, for example, is about $160 for the year. This will give you access to 20 to 60% savings on your dental work. So a good example is if you have to have a root canal and a dentist can charge, you know, a dentist can charge on average for a root canal, let's say $900, but with a dental savings plan, you would only pay $400. So for that one procedure alone, you've more than made up for the $160 cost of the plan. And so how it compares to dental insurance, which is what most people know is out there, is the fact that dental insurance has an annual maximum. So dental savings plans don't have an annual maximum, meaning there's you reach a maximum, you know, $15 to $1,500 caps. Uh, are usually associated with the dental insurance plan. You don't have that with a dental savings plan. There are also no waiting periods. So many insurance plans can have a six-month wait for certain procedures. Again, with a dental savings plans, you don't have that. But dental insurance plans can also be good for people as well. Dental, dental savings plans are just flexible, affordable, um, and, and just easy to use. A dental insurance plan is good for those 
who still have access to benefits through their employers or as part of a retiree benefit. So if they're, or, and or, if the work that you need to have done is limited to maybe under a few thousand dollars, then a dental insurance plan might be a great option as well. So step us through the process of working with dentalplans.com. Sure. So we make it super simple. So you have two options. You can either call us or go online. So one of the key differentiators is the fact that you can call us and we will handhold you every step of the way. We can, we'll ask you questions, just a few questions to help guide you down the right path. So, and in fact, you mentioned we just launched a plan finder. And so we launched this same concept online very recently because we had such success with helping people have that hand-holding process on the phone. So you either call us or go online, you enter in your zip code, and then we'll ask you really, what type of work is it that you need to have done? Some people just need preventative work, cleanings, x-rays. Some people know that they've, you know, they've been to the dentist, they have what's called a treatment plan in front of them, they have the codes and the price, and it's very overwhelming. So we can, in fact, go through that list with you on the phone, or now you can even enter in some of those codes online, and we can tell you what are the best plans with the highest savings based, based on the work that you need to have done based on that list. Also, if you have a specific dentist, sometimes people are like, I don't care how much I'm going to save. I want to stay with my dentist. So we can also help you find a plan that your dentist takes, again, either online or by calling us. It's really that simple. So I love that because um, saving money is really important. And I think when it's hard to go to the dentist for people. And so having that phone support to walk you through, not everybody lives in a village with all their family right down the street anymore. And so having a trusted advisor that can help with that phone support is, is really important. And what older adults don't like are surprises. And so if you have this onset of an event with a dental problem, or you have a tree problem, those are costs that are not in your annual budget. And so I think this news is critically important for the large audience. And you've grown fast as a company because people see the value. But let's talk for a minute about the importance of dental health to older adults as it, as it, as it portends overall health. Yeah, so we have seen medical research continues to show that poor oral hygiene can significantly increase your risk for heart disease, stroke, and even certain cancers. And so what we're seeing is that more and more people are delaying going to the dentist because of cost, but it's actually costing them more in the long run, and they're not necessarily seeing that connection. They're either waiting too long for the procedures that they need to have done, therefore needing more dental work or just the cost of their overall health that it's having on them. So we believe that the more people know that these dental savings plans exist, that they're accessible, they're affordable, it will provide them with a, a, a more feasible option to get them to the dentist more often. People just don't know that they exist. They don't know how they work and um, they don't know how simple they are to use. And it really is important for your overall health, isn't it? Correct. It's, it is key. The number one reason people delay going to the dentist is cost. 
And these dental savings plans are really the solution to being able to go to the dentist now if you don't have a dental insurance, which overall is you know, better for your overall health. And while Medicare does not offer regular dental care coverage, many older adults have Medicare Advantage plans that can include dental, at least from the commercials that I see. What should they know about what you offer and how this all can come together? So there has been, so, so many of the TV ads that you see on right now include mention that it includes dental. And so there are so many that think that it means all dental. And what they don't know is it includes really a limb, most include a limited dental benefit. So some give them a lump sum to go spend some, you know, like a dental insurance plan. It's just, you reach, you know, you max out at a certain amount. So what they don't know is that the dental that's included in Medicare Advantage is limited to a certain amount of procedures. So a dental savings plan can actually be used alongside a Medicare Advantage plan or any dental insurance benefit when you've maxed out. So if you have to go to the dentist and you need more work than whatever your plan allows, you can then get a dental savings plan to allow you to get the rest of your work that you need to have done at a fraction of the cost. That was the question I was going to ask, because I think this is the news we need to use and we really need to get out there. So many people are without insurance and they don't seek care. So congratulations on the work we're doing. We're hoping to collaborate with you across all of our platforms because we think that we found a jewel here in terms of uh, the match between what older adults need at this time when inflation, they're struggling in retirement savings. And we saw this week that the growth of small business and the 50 plus audience is the highest it's ever been. And so as people don't have these retirement health benefits in their retirement plans, they're going to have to solve this problem on their own. So we really are thrilled to have you here and congratulations on that great work you're doing. Thank you. No, I, I think we have a gem as well. And I've I've never been more popular with, with my parents' friends than, than I am now in this stage of their life. They are, um, it, the common thread is, why don't we know about this? This is fantastic. Right. Yeah. Uh, wasn't this great news? Really terrific. And the website for more info, it's right in the name, dentalplans.com. Easy enough. Jen, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on here and helping spread the word. From the dentist chair, let's move over to the easy chair. Mary, we have some summer reading to do. That sounds perfect. I love reading and talking about books and summertime. And I'm so excited about the next guest joining us, a very good friend, my dissertation chair and author, Roy Weaver. Hi, Roy. Hi, Mary Fred. It is wonderful to meet you, Roy. And the book we are talking about that you co-authored with David Sullivan and Sean Shriver is wonderful too. Running Against the Grain, the story of Philadelphia Eagle and movie star Timmy Brown. What unfolds here is a story about a multi-talented man who passed away about three years ago at the age of 82. He faced so many challenges. Uh, tell us how this book came about, Roy. 
One of my responsibilities as Dean of Teachers College was to host receptions for alumni around the country. And in November of 2008, I had one scheduled in Palm Springs, California. And Timmy Brown came to that reception. And after a short period of time, I noticed that everyone was con congregating around him. And I overheard some interesting stories and entertaining stories that he shared with others. And so after the reception, I cornered him and I said, has anyone approached you about writing a book about your life? He said, no one had. And I said, would you be interested in working with me about, on that? And he said, sure. That's how it got started. Now, he had had a cold beforehand. And when I talked to him, he wasn't sure he was going to be there. Had he not shown up, the book never would have been written. We had challenges that took 14 years to write. Part was because I was involved in working at the same time. It was difficult to be a dean of a teacher's college and focus so much on writing a book. But along the way, I was very fortunate because a colleague named Sean Shriver, I discovered un unexpectedly, was an education or entertainment historian. Mm -hmm. And so he was interested and he got started. We had collected mounds of data about his playing football playing career. And it was almost like this insurmountable mountain of information. And then I discovered that uh, David Sullivan, who was a copy editor for the Philadelphia Inquirer and a fellow Ball State alum, had retired. And I said, hey, uh, I'm not sure we're ever going to get this done. Would you be interested in taking a look at what we have? He said, send it my way. About six weeks later, he had uh, the chapters dealing with pro football outlined and written. It needed some editing. So uh, those were the challenges we faced. And uh, fortunately, even after 14 years, we got it done. And, and Timmy had been a legend, really, at the college there, right? He had been. He'd set several uh, records here as a football player. In fact, one still stands today. That's the mo most points scored in a game by a player. He scored 26. No one's surpassed that since he played here from 55 to 59. Well, he helped the Philadelphia Eagles win the championship uh, for the NFL in 1960, but he wasn't that big of a person, was he, inside? Oh, he was around 5'10", 5'11", 195 pounds. What's interesting about that, in that 1960 game with the Eagles, they beat the Packers in Lince Lombardi, and the Packers and Lombardi had... Uh, taking him off the roster the year before when he was a rookie there. So that was in his first full season. He won, you know, with the Eagles, the national championship. Then he ended his career in Super Bowl three with the Baltimore Colts against the New York Jets and Joe Namath. Kind of bookends to an interesting career. Yeah, I mean, first he was with the, the Packers, right? And, the, and Vince Lombardi, you even tell the story in the book. There's so much information here. You tell the story of how Vince Lombardi even got hired, but he went from Green Bay to Philadelphia, and that turned out to be a really good thing for him, didn't it? It did for the most part. Uh, Tim was a kind of character entire life who uh, often get into interesting situation with the coaches he, he had. Uh, he either got benched for behavior uh, that was really probably not something he should have done, or he, in one case, uh, walked off the team at Ball State and came back 
And then uh, he really didn't get along with the Eagles coach, Joe Kuharik. And so uh, he didn't probably get to play as much as he might have otherwise, but uh, he had a tendency over his life to be outspoken, often in times uh, for a black man uh, who shouldn't have been probably, but he was always a person who was not afraid to say what, what, is, what was on his mind and take a stand. And that's an intriguing characteristic of his. Right. And there is so much history here. I mean, obviously the racial aspects and what he went through, but a lot of football history too that, that, that you include in this. And with the detail, you spent a lot of time with Timmy and you spent a lot of time, obviously, with, with quite a few other people. Tell us about it. Well, I was very fortunate along the way to keep stumbling into people like Harold Jones, who was a percussionist with uh, 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 Bennett, Tony Bennett, and uh, but they were childhood friends in Richmond, Indiana. In fact, I, I saw Harold Jones a couple of weeks ago in Richmond again. Um, I've been in touch with Dion Warwick and and D.D. Uh, uh, Sharp. Uh, he dated Dion Warwick. He also dated Diana Ross. He was friends with D.D. Sharp, uh, Tammy Terrell, uh, Tom Jones. He was best man for Chubby Checker. He was, wow. best, he was best man for um, Bobby Bell, the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Famer. Um, so he he really mixed with an interesting crowd of people. Um, but he was always, always happier when he was just with um, common people. He, he, he didn't celebrate his celebrity status. And he felt most comfortable when he was with people like uh, Rick Whitfield, which uh, the Rick Whitfield band is still going in L.A., uh, Holly Vest, who is a, a Tina Turner tribute singer. Um, he was very close to Gene Kilroy, who's still alive. Gene was operations manager for the Eagles when he was there, but Gene's best known as Muhammad Ali's business manager. So, uh, uh, yeah, he, he, he was uh, an interesting character who mixed with a lot of different people over his lifetime, some celebrity status, some just the people next door. He, he dated some pretty well-known women, as you say, and then after football, yes. his remarkable story continued, right? Right. Well, he, he uh, you know, NFL films celebrated him as a renaissance man of the NFL, uh, precisely because beyond football, uh, he was an actor. He was in the first six episodes of MASH, the TV series. He was in the movie MASH. He was in a Robert Altman big movie called Nashville and about 14 others. He was a model for Botany 500 and for Jansen Swimwear. He was a color commentator for CBS Sports for, for nine games. Um, he was a teacher, in, in essence, uh, with L.A. probation, half for about five years working with youth gang members and the other half with adult offenders. Uh, at, at 50, he got married and became a father and ended up fortunately before he died to have two grandchildren uh, that he celebrated and enjoyed before his death. Um, so yeah, he, he, he was seen as someone who excelled far beyond his football skills. I, I think you're right about the Renaissance nature of his world and you know excelling across all these disciplines plus having the desire to help others um 
In his later years, you write about his battle with dementia. And of course, that's a big interest to our audience as well. Right. Uh, it was in, I think, it was November or October of 2015 that uh, my wife Marilyn and I were seated with him at, at uh, a breakfast place called Elmer's in Palm Springs. We often would, Tim and I would often go over drafts by each of us taking turns reading portions. And the idea was uh, if it was something missing, Tim is supposed to share what that was. Or if in retrospect, we'd made a mistake about something and needed to correct an error, we did that. And I was reading about his coming to Ball State Teachers College. And he had this play playful comic uh, attitude. And, and so you never knew sometimes when he would say something to you. And, and he just blurted out, I didn't go to Ball State. And I said, oh, come on, Tim. We don't, we don't have time to play here. Let's get to work. And he looked seriously at me. And he said, I went to Butler. I didn't go to Ball State. And I said, come on, Tim. But I could see then it was dead silence. And he was kind of glaring at me. And, I, and I, one more time, I said, no, your, your, your older brother, John, went to Butler. You went to Ball State. And he said, no, I didn't. And I realized all of a sudden that, you know, things had changed. And I, I just changed the subject and talked about where we were going to go to dinner that night. That was the last time I could ever talk to him about the book. I, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't be certain that he really knew what he was talking about any longer. That led to my helping him get to see a neurologist and diagnosing that, uh, that it was the beginnings of uh, Parkinson's and dementia, which eventually took him. And, and so we, we had debated one time about when to end the book. And at one time, we're, we're going to end it on a happier note. And then the more we thought about it, we, we, we talked about, you know, not a lot of people talk about um, the challenges of dealing with these diseases and how it impacts families and what families can do. And I think one of the really interesting parts and important parts of the book has to do with how families can come together to deal with these diseases in a loving, caring way. And I think we think of other well-known people who followed in his footsteps, Terry Crews, so popular today, uh, Jim Brown, uh, and, and many others. I mean, there's a long list, including a guy named OJ, who followed into acting. Interestingly, he and Jim Brown were very good friends. They they met at Ball State when he was here. Jim was here on a Pepsi-Cola event, sponsored event, uh, while Timmy was a football player here at Ball State. That's when they first met. Eventually, they became very good friends. In fact, they were neighbors. They probably saw each other in the 60s and 70, 45 times. They would get together and play basketball games against each other. They play other. They played chess against each other, and so they became very close over a lifetime. And you have all of this wealth of information, so much of it in the book. What are some of the lessons that you would like your readers to to take away from this? I think one of them is that. Uh, never give up your goals and dreams can come true. And I'm, we often hear that. But in the eighth grade, he was asked by a teacher to identify what he envisioned doing the rest of his life. And he said he wanted to be a football player, 
an actor and a teacher. And he still had that paper that he wrote for that teacher uh, until he died. In fact, it's it still exists in a storage unit in Palm Springs. He kept that, and he often talked about that. And so the persistence and the focus of overcoming all kinds of challenges. His parents divorced when he was junior high. He bounced around a couple of foster homes, was abused in one, ended up in the Soldiers and Sailors Children's Home in Knightstown, Indiana, which was kind of an orphanage. So he over overcame those traumas. He overcame a number of uh, racial incidents over time. And he often fell short of what he hoped he might accomplish, but it never riled him or upset him. He always seemed to be comforted nonetheless with whatever he ever accomplished. And so I think uh, persistence, satisfaction, not giving up. Uh, he was a very loving, caring person. He was very calm and humble. And I think all of those attributes really served him well. He's, 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 he was always one of the most interesting, uh, friendly people I'd ever met in my life. Roy, I want to go back for a minute, because when I walked into your office as a young graduate student at USC, um, I had wild and large ambitions uh, to create things. And together, you invited me to write an article with you. And I, I thought of it this morning when you told the story about um, bumping into him at the alumni reception. And the article was about the future. And it said, we could cope with the future, we could adapt to the future, or we could shape the future. And I think that that has been kind of a guiding principle of my work is to think about how do we shape things, not just cope or adapt. And recently we did our venture summit and the president of the college, who's now 90, attended the conference. And we thought she might be there for a few hours. She was there all day. And she wrote me a long letter. She was a philosophy professor, long letter about how much she got out of the conference. And I think this morning how privileged we are to have these two seminal professors in my life and how it makes those of us who are teaching, who are trying to shape the future, it makes us wanted to reach out to those former students to stay connected and to uh, love the fact that they're continuing to do lifelong learning. And Irene gave me a copy of the book she had just written, which is the story of her life. And so that's on my summer reading list as well. But it's been a great privilege to have you here. I do love football. I'm a 49er fan. And uh, we, I just gave my son for his birthday the Brock Purdy jersey framed. I hope he has a good season. Uh, as, and so I wish you a happy summer. Congratulations on completing this. Thank you for signing the dissertation. I never would have had my career if we if I hadn't met you. And um, I I wrote my dissertation in the beautiful Library of Congress back east, and um, and then flew back to USC to defend it. So that was our story, right? 
Well, you know how proud am I, I am of your accomplishments and the, it brings joy to professors to see students uh, do what you've done. And so I, you know how much you've meant to me. Well, thank you. I brought some other books that are on my reading list and I want to share them with you. But Fred, you have one that we read and we reread, right? And I'm now even using the app because we all have to get healthier. So tell us about, oh, Dr. Roizen, and then I'll tell you what else is on my reading list. Well, Dr. Mike Roizen has the Great Age Reboot, and uh, we've read and, and reread that. Uh, he was at the, your conference in, in December. Another fun title is from Dr. Michael Mosley, who makes BBC documentaries. He's also written bestsellers on health. This one is called Just One Thing, How Simple Changes Can Transform Your Life. I, I like these kinds of books if you're getting a theme here. So, Mary, you have a lot of other books on your summer reading list. I'll let you tell us about it. You know, I, I've always been a reader since the time I was four years old. My first publication was in Jack and Jill magazine, but this book is really high on my list. I'm, I grew up in the age of Kennedy, so it's called Camera Girl, the coming of age of Jackie Beauvoir Kennedy, and I think a lot of people are interested in this book. Um, one of my friends owns a local bookstore, so I always like to support local bookstores. In fact, I wanted to buy the local bookstore, but I, that got vetoed. So another book that's uh, really popular, number one in the New York Times bestseller, is Lessons in Chemistry. Um, I should mention I'm going on vacation and visiting another friend who was in the Clinton administration with me, and he, his name is Abe Abramson. We're celebrating his 80th birthday at the Missoula Public Library. And so I'm taking my books to the library. That's how I'm spending my vacation. I'll also probably hike up there. And that Abe was sort of seminal in the creation of the library. Um, there are other members of that commission, LaVar Burton, who does Reading Rainbow. So we all cared about libraries and the internet. Um, Maxine Petra was a co-author with me. And she also, of course, very famously uh, co-authors with James Patterson, the new women's murder club novel, 22 seconds. And several of my friends have done research for Max, uh, including me, I got to go with her why she scouted out a murder one time in Half Moon Bay. Um, but I know uh, that what the bars are named after. So I know some of the characters in this book. And then uh, another book, which I wanna send this one to Lori, uh, Fred, your wife, but it's called The Covenant of Water and it's a novel. And um, it says from the very first page, I was overtaken with joy. And it's an Oprah book club. I think it's over 700 pages. So those are just a few that I have. And I read print books. I underline my books. My uh, little uh, friends that visit here want to go see my library. I find it very hard to say goodbye to a book. And um, I, I guess I've always loved reading. And so I, I really appreciate the effort, Roy, that you put into the dedication to tell the story in the right way. And, um, you know, I love it when people share their book, their book list with me, their playlists with me. I like to know what's their music playlist. And of course, Fred, you have a great playlist, I'm sure. Well, I was talking about books that can transform your life. 
And speaking of that, more than 11,000 senior athletes have been taking part in the 2023 National Senior Games presented by Humana in Pittsburgh. Unbelievable. Yes, and our friends at Get Set Up have some athletes taking part. They do. Uh, 70-year-old Madonna Hanna from Washington is a sprinter, a former fashion executive and teacher who discovered a love of running in 2011. Mike Adsit is a 73-year-old cyclist from Michigan and four-time cancer survivor. Another cyclist is 74-year-old Roger Reddish, a veteran and stroke survivor. And Get Set Up has the Arch Rivals volleyball team, eight women competing in the 65 to 69-year-old competition. There's also a 70-year-old Ellen Jaffe Jones, a runner who shares her expertise on Get Set Up. And another cyclist, 74-year-old Mark McCarthy from New York, who used to play professional racquetball. Yeah, very exciting. Of course, Get Set Up is one of the fastest growing companies in the U.S. and around the world. And we wish all these athletes the best of luck. We'll be looking for them and Get Set Up, too. Mary, before we go, we wanted to note the passing of a, a wonderful woman, 102-year-old Jean Stenson, mother of Pat Stenson, a big part of your company, making so many things happen. And they have both been on the podcast. Yes, it's a very tough for us to lose Jean. She was remarkable in so many ways. Um, um, a real lifelong learner who remained active in your book club, even at 102 years old. And we will miss her, our condolences to Pat and her family. And Jean left an amazing, loving legacy. She did. Uh, we are thinking of them. Uh, great examples for all of us. So this has been a really perfect podcast for the summer. It's going to be about 104 here this weekend. So we hope everyone finds some air conditioning, uh, some water, and hopefully you found this time well spent. I certainly did. Well, thank you all for listening or watching. We also want to thank our sponsor, Vivid Picks at vivid-picks.com. Don't let your memories fade. You can always find us at maryfurlong.com slash podcast. See you again soon.